Welcome back. At 6 o'clock tonight, the Springfield School Board meets to begin discussing a plan to bring students back into classrooms in District 186 for the first time since early March. It's a plan that has just been made available for the public to review as of less than two hours ago. It's a 30-plus page document. I'm still digesting it, but to uh, try to help uh, simplify it a bit, Springfield School Superintendent Jennifer Gill is here with us. Tell us more about the plan, how it was developed, and what it accomplishes. Superintendent, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, the, the the biggest question on the minds of everybody, parents, teachers, the public at large, uh, given what we've seen in recent weeks here in Sangamon County, we've seen a pretty steady growth in the number of cases as we've had a wider reopening as people have gone back into bars and restaurants. We've had 20% of our total cases here in Sangamon County have been confirmed in, in just the, the last week or so. Given that, what makes you confident that we can reopen schools safely without seeing a spike in cases that would affect directly students and teachers? You know, this is the uh, hardest and most challenging time in my career. Um, and, and I've been in this business for, for three decades now. And, you know, reading the news daily is stressful. Um, you know, I'm in, in charge with the care of over 8,000 families, 13,500 kids, 2,500 employees. It's overwhelming at times, and I don't take anything lightly. Um, I do know that I was charged with a task, and that is to create a return-to-learn plan that looked at not only remote options for education under Phase 4, but also a return-to-learn in person. Um, and so we've done that tonight, and we're going to deliver a plan that is asking the Board of Education to allow me to open up registration uh, starting tomorrow and really give parents and, and families a choice about what they want to do. On the registration form, if the Board approves this tonight, um, it will have an option for remote learning only, and that will be throughout the first semester to December 18th if families make that choice. And if they choose it, they will receive uh, remote learning. And then also we will have what we call a blended or hybrid approach, which has in-person and remote learning, which means that we won't be able to attend all five days of the school week uh, because we are at 50% capacity rules under phase four, uh, especially with the, the virus um, as it is acting right now. We feel that that is really all we can promise those families who do indeed want their child to return to school. We have to constantly look at the data that you just discussed. I just looked up today. I think Sangamon County, um, our rate our rate of positives, which is what the language that they've been using, is 2.7% at this point in time. And I think that's seven out of seven out of ten days uh, in a row. That's kind of what they what they utilize. And so I have been obviously reading all of the Center for Disease Control. Uh, regulations in the Illinois Department of Public Health guidance, as well as Illinois State Board of Education guidance, and our governor's own Restore Illinois plan uh, that still has us in phase four. But at any point in time, we do know that we could fall backwards um, in that data. And so any family who chooses the hybrid blended approach would need to be ready to go back into remote learning at any given time. And Superintendent, with all due respect, uh, and I understand everything what you just told me, I don't envy you or anybody else who's, who's been tasked with this, but I'm not sure it really addressed the question, which is how can you be confident that sending people back into this environment 
won't lead to a spike in cases. If it does, obviously, there's got to be a plan B, and it looks like you're, you're trying to put that in place. But that means people have right. gotten sick. So how, how can you right. be sure that so this— I think, I think what, was ta- what I was tasked with was exactly what we're going to offer. I'm not, I am not a medical uh, physician or a doctor myself, and confidence is, is something that I'm uncomfortable with saying one way or the other. What I know to be true is that we have to be agile. We have to be ready to pivot quickly. And at any point in time, we start to have a spike in cases in our own community or in our region of the state, and it calls for remote learning, District 186 is going to be ready for that. Uh, We have committed uh, in this plan to be one-to-one technology devices. So at the end of the year, however, I mean, the beginning of the year, however it is, we're going to be giving every single child uh, that's in kindergarten through 12th grade and also um, have devices available for pre-K as well. Uh, uh, for those families who need it and, and would like to have that, that device, we're going to have a device for every child that they can take home with them from the very beginning of the year. Um, and we have been working hard with our teachers and our staff over the summer to provide professional development. We will continue to do so in the fall. And, you know, I think that that's a key thing is preparing for remote learning, uh, giving parents a choice right now for remote learning um, is is exactly what what are we've been tasked to do in phase four, which is where we are with the data. Did you not have an option of simply saying remote learning for everybody? We think that's the safest option. Was that just simply a door that was not available to you? You know, I'm not sure if, if, if it was a door that was completely shut by the State Board of Education, but if you read their guidance document, it says over 30 times uh, that we should have a plan for returning to learn. So the reason why I think it's strong to have this plan to return to learn in person as well as have a remote learning plan is that if even if we have to start off the school year, we have five more weeks to the beginning of the school year. A lot can happen with our numbers in this region. Um, We don't know whether they'll get better or whether they'll get worse, whether people will heed warnings and begin acting differently than they have been or whether the the weather or whatnot has a play with how we how this disease begins to spread, we don't know. What we do know is that at some point it can get better, and we're going to have a strong plan for how we come back to to learning with 50% capacity and how we can, you know, sort of stage the next, you know, steps and movement into returning to learn. So I'm glad we have both plans, even if in the end we, we actually do start remotely. I can't predict that right now. Um, because I don't know what the data will do. A lot of how this plays out is contingent upon what parents tell you in the next 10 days in online registration, Mm -hmm. whether they want that remote-only option, whether they want the hybrid plan. Uh, But let's take the the most extreme scenario where the vast majority of parents say, I want my child back in the classroom, I'm sending him back. How then do you ensure social distancing? What are the provisions in this plan to make sure that your classrooms are not overcrowded, that you have enough space and enough facilities in the building to safely bring all those students back? You know, we'll take the numbers and we'll have to look at those numbers by school. It's not as simple as just cutting it 50% at the district level. You have to look at cutting it at 50% um, or so um, around, you know, for each individual school site and make sure that you have kind of a capacity limit for every classroom. The thing that's challenging with such a large district as ours with buildings that are built at such different eras of time, we have different shaped buildings and different, I mean, different shaped classrooms and different buildings that have more 
um, kind of whole group space, if you will, where you can move to versus rooms that are buildings that really don't have a lot of uh, extra space. So we have to take all of those things into consideration, and that's the work that's been going on over the summer. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work to prepare our buildings with plexiglass installation, with uh, purchasing distance markers, uh, making sure we have all of our PPE, personal protective equipment that's been ordered. Um, pandemics don't really have a plan of action that you can look up online. Uh, we have to consider, you know, all facets of the things that we need to do to prepare. And that's what we've been doing, knowing all well that we have to be able to meet those CDC guidelines and the Illinois Department of Education guidelines for social distancing. So we'll take all of those names. Uh, see what we can offer in terms of how many days of week we might be able to offer instruction. So it could be that we have to be on for two days um, and then other students come in the next two days. Uh, our plan of action for return to learn in the schools and online does pr provide for a blended learning day on Mondays, which will provide some opportunities for families to reach out. Uh, to teachers, teachers to reach out to families, and also have important professional development time. One of the big aspects of bringing students back into the classroom is the mask requirement that the state says you have to have in place. Asking students to wear that mask in the classroom uh, for hours on end makes for a long day. Same thing for teachers. How do you enforce that mask requirement for students who can't or, or won't wear them? You know, we'll, it'll have to be a part of our, our student handbook. Of course, we want to be as nurturing and caring about this as we possibly can and, and work and talk with students, um, you know, making sure that we explain to them the importance of, of wearing a mask, making sure that we continue to talk with families. I mean, one of our biggest suggestions now is for families to begin to practice wearing a mask as often as you can so that the students can get used to how it feels and and I've had to do that myself is just kind of get used to it and ease my way into it um, so that, you know, I can find the right one for me and that fits my face and that, you know, has all of the, um, you know, pieces that I need to fit my individual face size. So I think it's going to be good for families to kind of test that out and practice and then create some routines for washing those masks and things of that nature because it is something that that we'll have to do. Uh, the schools are poised and ready to have some on hand and to, to provide some to families, but, you know, we probably will have to have several in the rotation to wear to school each day. What happens if you get a positive test involving someone in a school building, whether it's a, a student, a staffer, or a teacher? What's the pr procedure that'll be in place if, when that almost inevitably happens? Right. So when we have a positive case, uh, when school is back in session and our schools are open, uh, we will notify the entire school community uh, when our schools are open that there's been um, a positive case. We will not identify the individual student or the educator. I'm sure rumor mills always happen, but I really caution people about confidentiality of medical uh, conditions for students and for staff. Uh, we will be sending a letter uh, to the school community, but also a more specific letter to those who may have come in direct contact uh, with the student and encourage them, of course, to reach out to their medical provider, um, quarantine, and then also uh, receive a test. And we will have to require uh, that quarantine to be met or for negative tests uh, to come back. And so we will have guideline sheets that are prepared and, and sent out to families that closer to the school year so they know exactly what the procedures will be as well as the staff will. Families have the, families have the option of opting out of in-person restriction going remote only. 
There are a yeah. lot of teachers out there with concerns about their own well-being, the well-being of yeah. their families and loved ones, etc. Will they also have that option to say, I prefer to instruct students remotely only, not in person? Right. We will be asked. We've already done that. We've reached out. And of course, those are individual personnel records. But we have reached out and had teachers responding to us that have uh, some personal medical concerns that might preclude them from being able to teach in this environment. Or if they have um, a family member that lives in their immediate household uh, that might have uh, be facing something that would preclude them from uh, working in this environment. Um, and so we have been talking and, and reaching out to individual teachers about this all week, and we will continue to do so um, into the next couple of weeks of school, um, making sure we understand which ones uh, would like to teach remote. And then also there are those people who are just um, facing some fear and anxiety about being back, and we totally understand that. And so we are going to try to match teachers with those students who wish to be remotely, if at all possible. Um, we may not be able to match everybody to their wishes, but we're going to try uh, and do that. It, you know, delivering education is, is a very difficult task under these conditions, but we're up to making a model that, that will work and, and hopefully serve all of the students' needs. Uh, along those same lines, should a teacher be exposed in some way, whether at school or perhaps somewhere else, but they fear that they may be exposed, they may have to quarantine, uh, will they have to use up their own personal time uh, to, to be away from the school in, in that situation? How is that all going to work? Well, there are some federal guidelines that pr provide some protections to teachers up to a certain number of days. And so each individual case will have to take step by step, but there are uh, guidelines that are in place. Um, there is an actual law that is the federal, I want to get, it, get the words right for you, uh, Families First Corona uh, Response Act. Um, so it really kind of gives you um, what your leave rights are. And so our HR department will work with individual teachers on that. I think there's some things that we need to continue to iron out. And also right now, those are only available through December 18th. So we're kind of waiting to see if those will be extended into the next year of, of 2021. Um, that will help us, you know, kind of help teachers understand. Uh, what to expect. We're not sure if that extent, you know, for every individual incident or if that's just with one incident, but it is quite a few days that are added on um, without touching your individual sick leave. Uh, so registration begins tomorrow and it runs through July 31st. Is that correct? And, and then after that, when do you expect to finalize this plan and all of the intricate interlocking details that go along with it? Yeah. So, you know, that is exactly a great way to explain it. Um, our next school board meeting is August 3rd, and what we would like to do um, at, that, at that meeting is really give a great overview to the board of exactly where our enrollment is, following, uh, is falling, how many people have actually signed up for um, each of these models, and also at each school, how that, how that lays out so our board members can kind of see um, how their specific constituent groups that they represent across the city are falling out and their wishes. Um, at this point, I would like to ask them to endorse, um, you know, those models and make sure that uh, they are in approve, um, in approving of what, what we're doing moving forward. Tonight, I'm going to ask them permission to open up the registration tomorrow uh, with those two models so that we know um, which families prefer which model. One thing I know is that if I, if I can set this up so that 
teachers that would like to return to the classroom and teach in a hybrid model are aligned with with families that want to come back. And if kids that are online are aligned with teachers who want to teach online, then at any point we need to be flexible and agile and move in and out of online learning throughout this semester. I will have, you know, kids aligned with teachers that are on the same model that they are. And I think that's going to be very helpful. Even if the data has us fall back to phase three by the beginning of school and we have to start online, you know, we'll, be have, a, we'll have a model ready to go for whenever we can return to learning. We'll know which students want to return to learn. Those that want to stay online are likely going to want to stay online deeper into the semester as well. So we really think that this is the best way is to ask individual families specifically about their individual students and allow them to let us know through the registration process which model they would like to sign up for for the school year. And I will say once again that even if you sign up for a hybrid, blended, you know, in-person model, it doesn't mean that we won't have to go remote at some point due to the numbers that our county or our region of the state uh, face. Superintendent Jennifer Gill, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you very much.